Welcome to Surrey Speaks, the University of Surrey's podcast focusing on the wonderful and sometimes unusual research taking place at our institution. This week, we're talking about a subject that is near and dear to a lot of our hearts, food. In 2018, NHS England reported that there were 11,117 hospital admissions directly attributed to obesity. Heartbreakingly, 20% of year six children were classified as obese, and the figures look bleaker in the worst deprived areas of our country. So, we're asking our food, nutrition and psychology experts what feels like a fairly obvious question. Do we, the UK, have a food problem? First up is Dr. Veronica Giacintucci, Teaching Fellow in Food Science. So uh, what I think is that we do not necessarily have a food problem because I know that we are trying to improve formulations and processes in order to increase the health benefits of our foods. So we're trying to, let's say, increase the well-being of the end customer by providing food that is more nutritious. I think that the issue here is we might have a food education issue. So people need to be more aware of what they are supposed to eat and what is actually healthy for them. And especially which are the uh, the good habits in terms of eating habits, but not just related to what we eat, but also on how we eat. So I think this is the issue that we should address. We need to understand what is our relationship with food. So first of all, I know this is a, this could be a little bit boring to do, but I think it's going to be beneficial in the long run is to have a kind of diary of how we feel when we eat. So for example, my, my experience I tend nowadays to eat in front of my computer while I'm working. So I tend to open the fridge every 10 to 15 minutes. It depends. I need to understand that sometimes I eat not because I'm hungry. So I do not need to eat that, but I eat because I'm stressed. So if I stop for a while and understand that I am eating because of stress, then actually I might avoid eating something that is possibly negative for me because I tend to snack a lot. So sugar, fatty foods, this is what I tend to snack with. So one advice is to try to understand why you are eating that and perhaps stop for a minute and understand if that's worth. Then what I suggest to do is to switch snacking with fatty and sugary foods, at least avoid buying them. And you can easily switch them with something that is as well sweet, like some veggies are sweet. You can switch them with carrots or I like eating raw peppers and you can just slice them in nice shapes. So it feels like you're having a, um, a happy hour, how we call it in Italy, aperitivo. And then, of course, is to prepare your food from scratch. So try to understand which are the ingredients that are best for you. Try to experiment to have a little bit more of awareness of what food can do to you and how fun can be to, to cook your stuff. And maybe that will also uh, potentially help decrease as well food waste, perhaps. So there is this cool research line that is studying how probiotics actually can influence our mood. So how can we use them in order to treat some mental health issues, especially for depression, memory? So what happens is that we have tons of microorganisms in our gut. And according to what we eat, we can actually boost and promote their proliferation. This is what prebiotics do. So 
fibers, for example, are prebiotics. And we can find them in whole grain cereals, in fruits. We can find them in nuts as well, and a wide variety of fruits, actually, oats, rye, barley. And we can uh, consume them and help our bacteria in our gut proliferate and also produce all those nice chemicals that will help us increase our health, uh, resistance against, uh, against inflammation, immune system, and also perhaps also boost our mood. So we need to pay attention to what we eat because that will also uh, affect our mood, whether positive or negative. We also asked Dr. Adam Collins, Principal Fellow in Food Nutrition, what he thinks our biggest problem is and how we can get back on track. But it's a difficult one to solve with food policy uh, because we're in a situation now where you can't make drastic changes to things without repercussions. Uh, and I think that's the problem with food is you can't just overnight reformulate food to make it healthier or impart some legislation to force people to make different choices on, on what they're doing in terms of eating. Um, so it has to be very subtle and it obviously has to be in partnership with the consumer, you know, the population, and it also has to be in partnership with industry, the food industry, the catering industry, the hospitality industry, everything. Um, so, you know, it, because it's so embedded in everything that we do. So that, that is the challenge really. Yes, you can make some legislation um, attempts such as like the sugar tax and that sort of forced um, sort of food producers to, to change formulations of products. Um, whether it's made a difference in terms of people's behaviour because things are slightly more expensive if they've got more sugar in them, I'm not sure whether that's borne out that way. But what it has done is led to changes in the industry in response to that so that they can, they can get around that tax by reformulating their product. So it's almost like making changes by stealth is obviously one way in which you can do it. Um, another example of that is where you have a successful uh, recent successes that have been made in terms of things like salt reduction in food. Because for years, and I'm talking like 30 years, we've had this target of reducing salt in our diet. Um, and it's failed miserably for years, for decades. And it was only really once it got into the situation where we started to have a partnership with industry that uh, through subtle reformulation and agreement with all the food producers to subtly start reformulating the food that we started to see decreases in actual salt production. So almost we couldn't succeed in doing it by um, sort of educating people to reduce their salt intake or changing eating behaviour. Um, we had to do it by stealth because most of the things, for example, in salt and the same with sugar is, um, is down to the fact that it's hidden in the food that we have. It's already there inherent in the food that we're, we're consuming. It's not something that we deliberately add to food. So it's not like we're not talking about the sugar that we add to our tea and coffee or the salt that we sprinkle on our food. It's things that are already inherent within the food that we're eating. And that's part of the problem that we've had over the years is that it, it sort of started to creep in 
to lots of different foods and also the amounts that we're seeing in those foods have increased over over the last 10, 20, 30 years. And, and we've not really noticed that because we've just become acclimatized to that level of salt and sugar and fat um, or fat replacements or other things that have happened to the sorts of things that we, we are eating. Um, so of course, that's happened over a long period of time. We've acclimatized that. So you can't just suddenly switch it back again um, you have to suddenly reverse it to, to make a, that difference. Part of the problem is the fact that a lot of our food that we're consuming is not necessarily whole foods. It's not like we're eating individual foods. We're eating composite foods, foods that have been packaged, processed, combined together, um, formulated for us, rather than individual ingredients that we put together and cook ourselves. We asked Jane Ogden, Professor of Health Psychology, a similar question. If she was in charge of the UK, what would she do to change things for the better? I think the government needs to tackle the food industry. Um, I think that there's a dynamic between us as individuals and the obesogenic environment, which needs to be actually tackled head on. Um, and the responsibility at the moment tends to often be to go back to the individual and say, you need to make better choices around the kinds of foods that you eat. But they need to help us make better choices by tackling the food industry. And that has to be around managing portion control. It has to be around food pricing. It has to be around food labelling. Um, it has to be around food advertising, food marketing, so that healthier foods, fruit and vegetables, are cheaper than processed foods. Um, and that it's easier for people to buy the kinds of foods that they want. And that portion control is a, such a thing that we don't get discounts on meal deals, which throw packets of crisps at us. And we don't have buy one, get one freeze at crisps so that we buy bigger packets of crisps or grab bags rather than smaller packets of crisps. So we need to have a policy which tackles the food industry. And then the second thing I would do would be to try and introduce healthier food habits and food choices from a very early age in terms of supporting parents from the moment they become parents, if not even before, whilst they are pregnant with children, to support them in helping them make sure that their children start off with the right kinds of habits from the very, very early days. So that would be supporting health visitors and supporting midwives to help parents make the right kind of choices around food, plus putting food education into schools, plus making proper foods available to children whilst they're at school so that children actually start off um, with the right habits right from the very, very early days. So those habits will then track through into adulthood. And that's it for this episode. That's not nearly all we have to say about food. So if you're interested in this area of research, please visit www.surrey.ac.uk to find out more about our food, consumer behaviour and health research centre. Until next time.